Welcome to the River Bluff Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon from lead pastor Joe Still. And for more information about us, please visit riverbluff.org. Well, how are you this morning? Woo! Uh, well, I'm glad you're hooting. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. We are uh, grateful that you are here today. If you came by, got in here without stopping to pick up um, some elements for communion, you may want to take uh, a moment here uh, in the not-too-distant future to step outside, right outside the doors. There, there are some, and you can pick those up because we are going to share uh, in communion in just a, a, a short time. Uh, from now. And uh, so I'm grateful you're here today. I want to spend some time and uh, do a little reflecting on, on what, what it would be like, what your life might be like, what my life might be like if we were to become more grateful people, more grateful uh, having a spirit that was inhabited with gratitude, if you would, more grateful, uh, having perceptions uh, around gratefulness and thankfulness and actions that, that express that. And I really pray that in the time that we have together today, that before we're done, you and, and I, that we as a church would take a step forward towards a commitment, a, a fresh commitment to this in some area uh, of our lives. I, I'm praying for that, and I'm praying that you would ask the Spirit of God to, to guide you in that, because friends, we, we have so much to be thankful for. Now, I know some of you and some in our church are facing some tremendous struggles and sorrows and pain and have family members who are, but we still have so much to be thankful for. Now, over 2,000 years ago, the Apostle Paul posed a question. It's a very haunting question. He wrote it to the church at, at Corinth. We're going to refer to uh, several of his letters to uh, Corinth a couple of times today because it was a church in conflict. It was a church in a culture in conflict. There were all kinds of big egos in Corinth. Um, some of the same stuff we see uh, around us that people wrestle with in our culture, we see in our society, we see showing up in uh, the political realm around us. It, they they were really no different. And into that, Paul asked this haunting question in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. Paul asked this, what do you have that God hasn't given you? What do you have that God hasn't given you? Uh, some other translations may say it this way. What do you have that you did not receive? And the reality is, everything that you have has been given to you by God. Now, God's Word testifies to this. John the Baptist, uh, Jesus' cousin who had this incredible national ministry uh, in the nation of Israel, just before he spoke some of his greatest words as his ministry was on the decline and Jesus was on the incline, he, he spoke those marvelous words that I must decrease and he must increase. But just before he said that, it's recorded in John 3, 27, John, who was speaking to his disciples, who at this time were a bit jealous of what was going on with Jesus' ministry, John says this. He says, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given to him from heaven. John the Baptist recognized that everything he had, even his great national renowned ministry, had been given to him by God. He knew he didn't earn it. 
He knew he didn't deserve it. He knew it was a gift from the Lord. Jesus' half-brother, James, who was writing for the church at Jerusalem, uh, this kind of newborn church, if you would, in James chapter 1, wrote these words, Don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever's good and perfect comes down to us from God our Father. Anything good, anything beautiful and lovely, perfect, comes from God. Now, because of this, gratitude is simply logical. Because of that reality, that biblical reality, gratitude is just simply logical. When our hearts and minds actually get captured by this reality, this biblical reality, that everything you have comes to you from God, it only makes sense to live with the heart of gratefulness. Now, I I will say this. Most everyone in my life, in my realm uh, uh, of sphere of influence that I'm connected with, most everyone I know wants to be a grateful person. We, 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 We want that. But here's the question. Why is it so dadgum hard? Why is this just so hard? You know? Everyone knows that gratitude is good. You know, in the last decade... In the sphere of psychology that really is um, about positive psychology, there's been this uptick in declaring uh, the, the role that gratitude can play towards good mental health. And there's much in Scripture about it. Over 150 times in Scripture, we are called into and we're called to be grateful and, and thankful. Man, when you get to some of Paul's great lists of character traits um, in, in the letters that he wrote, when you think about uh, to, to the Ephesians or the Colossians, you kind of get to the dramatic climax of those lists, and you know what's on top? Gratitude. You just you, you kind of get up there and you see gratitude. And as I was preparing for this, kind of walking through this over the last several weeks, one of the things the Lord did in me was he got, he got kind of personal. And see, I've read books about gratitude. I've preached other messages about gratitude, but I still struggle here. I, I, I just, I do. Why, why can't I be better at that? Why, I know it would benefit me so much. So why, why is it str- such a struggle? And I, I feel like the Lord pointed me to some, some thoughts this week. Some that some others had written, some that he just kind of brought to, to my mind. And I, I, I think... I'm hoping that these might be somehow helpful to you as well so that we don't just run by things, that we just don't blow them off and blow by them. And one of the first things that the Lord pointed out to me, and I want to share this with you, is that if you and I are going to grow in gratitude, if our hearts are going to grow towards gratitude, one of the things that we must do is we must recalibrate our current gratitude threshold. We got to recalibrate our current gratitude threshold. Now, what, what I'm talking about here is that all of us have some level of uh, uh, the quality or quantity of a gift that it takes before we're thankful. You know, uh, for some people, it can be something very simple. You know, something as simple as somebody bringing you, you know, a cup of coffee. And, and you could be just incredibly thankful for something like this. For others of you, they'd have to buy you a yacht, you know, to get any thankfulness response out, out of you. It's got to be, you know, something big and grand. Friends, the truth about gratitude is it is one of those things that you have to descend into in order to find greatness. 
Um, it's one of the things you got to lower the bar on if you really want to be transformed and grow. There aren't many things in life that you need to lower the bar on, but your expectation on what you would be grateful for needs to, needs to, to lower so that the simple things, you can be thankful in those. The, the common things, you can be thankful. The, the things that are in abundance, maybe, in your life that you could learn to be thankful. I want you to look at Psalm 103 with me for just a second, verses 1 and 2. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord in all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all all of his benefits. Friends, it is so easy to forget all of his benefits. We might get some of them, but we have a hard time collecting them all. All of his benefits. Even, even the awkward benefits uh, of what it means to be human. If you have uh, personally or known somebody, if you've ever had this personal experience or personally known somebody who's ever had um, the kind of surgery where the surgeon literally opens up your gut cavity and, you know, has to do something internal uh, in you. You know, one of the things that has to happen before they will let you leave the hospital is your bowels have to be awakened. And you have to experience release. You know, that, that just has to happen or not, I'm going to let you go. Now, that is just a common human function. But are we thankful for those? Are we thankful for the next breath of air? Are we thankful for the next beat of our heart? See, Psalms helps us begin to think about this. And if we want to grow in gratitude, we're going to have to kind of lower the bar on what raises our gratitude. Increases our, our, our thankfulness. I remember reading um, some writings of a professor from the university, Houston Baptist University. Um, interestingly, his name is Dr. Robert Roberts. I, I can't imagine a parent knowing that the child's last name is going to be Roberts, naming them his first name Robert. But they did. And uh, great, great, brilliant mind. And one of the things I read from Dr. Roberts that I think was appropriate to talk about today, and, and it's this. To grow in gratitude, I need to clearly see three things. And these are, these are three ideas that I got from him. I need to first be able to see the benefit. I need to secondly be able to clearly see the benefactor. And I third need to be able to clearly identify who's the beneficiary here. And here's the deal. When you can clearly see all three of those, the benefit, the benefactor, the beneficiary, you have a perfect situation, a perfect equation for gratitude to, to, to flourish and grow. Now, all three of these words start with that, that, that beginning bene, and it's, it literally is a Latin word that means good. It just simply means good. So this is a good kind of gift, uh, you know, a benefit. Uh, a benefactor is a good-hearted person that, that's doing a given kind of thing. And these need to be, you know, present. You need to be able to identify this good thing, this benefit. You need to be able to recognize who's the benefactor. You know, who is the one that's doing the giving? Who's the one that's, you know, giving you a new car? Or who's the one that's giving you a, a cool drink of water? Or, or who's the one that, you know, brought you your paper? Who, those kinds of things. Who's, who, what's the benefit to you? You know, who's the benefactor and who's the beneficiary? 
And oftentimes when this equation, we are. We're, we're the beneficiary. Now, when, again, when those three elements, when you can identify those, there is something for you to be thankful for when those, when those line up. Now, one of the things that this means is that if, if this is true, then these are uh, very specific places where our gratitude factor can get off kilter. And I want us to think about this for, for, for just a moment. You know, maybe you didn't get your way. You know, d- d- different kinds of things like that. But see, we need to be captured by the reality of this benefit and benefactor and, and beneficiary because then our, our gratitude can grow. In Psalm 103, again, remember that God's Word tells us, forget not all of His benefits. So what, what could cause us to forget those? I want to real quickly look at four, four ways that we could forget all of God's benefits. The first one is if I fail to recognize the benefit. If I, if I fail to recognize that something that is happening, taking place in my life, something that is coming to me is an actual benefit to my life, I'll fail to experience God's benefit. I'll, I'll forget a benefit. And it could be something as simple as a sunrise. It could be something as, as simple as somebody, you know, providing you some type of assistance. It can be the air I breathe. All of those are benefits to your life. In Psalm 111, verses 1 and 2, we read these words. The psalmist writes, I will thank the Lord with all my heart. How amazing are the deeds of the Lord. All who delight in him should ponder them. We need to ponder every single benefit that, that, is, that comes to our lives. We'll never truly delight in the Lord or experience the beauty of God in His fullness until we are able to identify all of the benefits. One of the great statements that kind of rose out of uh, the Reformation is this thing known as the Westminster Shorter Catechism. And the Westminster Shorter Catechism starts this way. The chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. We will never enjoy God. We'll never actually glorify Him until we learn to see the benefits that He is bringing into our lives. The ability to clearly say, that's a benefit. It's a benefit from my, for my life. Again, James 1.17, we read this a moment ago, but it says whatever's good and perfect comes to us from God. Now, it may come through another person. There, there may be something good that comes to you through another person, a gift they may give you, a service they may render to you. But even that is a gift from God. And we need to be able to recognize that, that it, it comes from that person. We need to thank them for the benefit. We need to also thank God who created them to be th- this benefit. Additionally, another way that I can forget God's benefits is when I fail to see the goodwill of the benefactor. If I don't see the, the good-heartedness of somebody who is seeking to bless me, when I, when I don't see that they're, they're really working to do good. Psalms 145, 17 says this, Our Lord, oh, excuse me, our Lord, everything you do is kind and thoughtful. Do you see everything, all the benefits in your life coming to you from a God who is kind and thoughtful about you, thinking uh, 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 about you? 
Paul, in his letter, second letter to the church at Corinth, chapter 1, verse 3, we read these words, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of comfort. You know, our God is the benefactor. He's, he's the benefactor of all mercy. If you have ever received mercy, let's say somebody else granted you mercy, that they should have thumped you on your head, but they, they didn't. They didn't give you what you deserved, and you got mercy. God fathered that. God gave birth to that mercy, and you received it through somebody else. He's the father of all mercy. If you have been, ever been comforted in a time of sorrow or distress um, or sickness, pain, God, he's the God of all comfort. It all, it all comes from him. And we need to see that in his, in his heart, in, in his soul. They're, they're, yeah, they came through somebody else, but they were from the Lord. Have you ever been in one of those settings where you've kind of been thrust into a new group and you're made to play that silly game where you have to describe yourself? You know, you, they give you three sentences or four sentences. You need to describe yourself to this group so they can get to know you with four simple sentences, you know? Well, in, in Exodus chapter 34, God does that with Moses. God just, in, in simple sentence, he described, this is God revealing himself to Moses so that Moses would know God this way and could communicate it, communicate it to God's people this way. In verse 6 of Exodus 34, we read these words, I, the Lord, am a God who is full of compassion and pity who is not easily angered, and who shows great love and faithfulness. Now, he goes on to say that he punishes sin, but God is wanting us to know who he is at his heart, at the core of his being. And the question is, do you see God that way? In all his actions towards you, in all his benefits, do you see this heart of God who is filled with great love and, and faithfulness to you? Forget not all his benefits. Romans 8, verse 28. Many of us love this verse. It tells us that we can know that in all things, God is working for good. In all things, he is working for good for his people. That's what he's doing. Psalms 34, verse 8. The, the, the psalmist writes these words, examine and see how good the Lord is. Some translations say, test and see that the Lord is good. God, God's word is saying, check him out. Explore this. Look, look into this. Look at the heart of God, and you will see that it is good. If you don't, you'll fail to acknowledge all his benefits. A third way that I can forget all the benefits of God is if I fail to address my own, your own, entitlement mindset. In so many ways, we have grown to become a, an entitled people. Now, this has a little bit to do with that recalibrating, you know, your threshold, your gratitude threshold we talked about earlier, but this runs deeper. This, this is kind of the, the, the undercurrent. This is the part of the iceberg that's, that's below. And, and here's, here's what happens. You know, if I miss benefits, if I miss that part, if I miss out that, oh, that's a benefit and that's a benefit and, and that's a benefit, if I miss out on the real heart of the, the benefactor, one of the things that I would begin to happen in, in my life 
is that I will begin to begin, uh, begin to believe that I'm owed something, that I'm entitled something to something from God. Well, I come to church regularly. I read my Bible every day. You know, I I, I go over to the mystery. I, I serve. You know, I I tithe. God owes me. Now, we would never say that out loud. But here's how it shows up. Calamity strikes. A doctor's diagnosis comes. Someone you love passes away suddenly, unexpectedly. Trauma comes. And, and what begins to happen in our minds, again, we don't say it out loud, but we start thinking, God, where are you? Why aren't you doing something, God? Friends, that is an entitlement mindset. Please never forget this. God does owe you. The Bible is clear that God owes each and every one of us. But do you know what it is that God owes us? He owes us death and he owes us hell. That's the only thing that God owes us. The Bible tells us that apart from Jesus, that is our destiny. That's all God actually owes us. Anything above that is a mercy from God or a grace from God. That's, that's what God owes us. See, we need to understand that. And it is so easy to get deceived into this and begin to develop this entitlement mindset that will, that will just crush gratitude in our hearts. Everything in our world, in our own flesh, and, and the devil himself is going to work to deceive our minds in this area. The prophet Jeremiah, God gave him this word about the human mind. Jeremiah 17, 9, it says the human mind is the most deceitful of all things. It is incurable. Friends, you're going to struggle with this until you go to heaven or heaven comes down. One of those two things. We're all going to struggle with this, 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 this kind of mindset. No one can understand how deceitful it is. We're going to struggle with the potential of being deceived in this area of life. That's why the Bible tells us to continuously walk in the Spirit so the Spirit can point out the truth. And we can pursue that. Jesus warned against this. In Mark chapter 7, verse 21, Jesus said, All evil things begin inside people, in the mind. You've probably heard this. I've heard it said that our minds are like Velcro for negativity and Teflon for thankfulness. The things we should be thankful for just slip on by. And the negative things in this world, in this life, just they, it clings to us. It, that's just kind of what we are. And I believe King David came to understand this, how, how deceitful his own mind could be. Some of you know that the Bible declared that David was a man after God's own heart. But this is the same David who believed he was entitled to another man's wife. And so he took her. And he believed that he should not, you know, have to deal with the public ridicule of having gotten her pregnant. So he had her husband killed. He thought he was that entitled to do that. Well, God came to, to him through the prophet Nathan and, you know, kind of did a shaking in David's life. And David repented. 
And later in David's life, he would pin these words in Psalm 139 that say, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me, know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. One of the things that offends God is a lack of gratitude, a lack of gratefulness. Those are, those are anxious thoughts. You know, when we're not able to be grateful, any kind of entitlement mindset is an, is an anxious thought. I believe the Apostle Paul had this in mind. When he was writing to the church at Colossae in Colossians chapter 3, verse 5, Paul says, so put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within. The things that are lurking within. Friends, this entitlement mindset, it lurks. It sneaks in. It sneaks up on us. We don't know it's in there. And what we have to do here is we got to put that to death. That spirit of entitlement. Paul also wrote to the church at Galatia something very similar. He says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. We have got to take this entitlement spirit, this entitlement mindset. We've got to crucify it. And when it raises itself back up, we've got to crucify it again. We've got to continuously deal with this entitlement mindset. Fourth. One of the things that will cause me to forget all God's benefits is when I fail to express thanks. Now, you might see the benefit. You might recognize that you're the beneficiary. You might understand that the benefactor may have been a person used by God. And so there's two benefactors there that you need to thank. But if you don't stop and give thanks for it, it can eventually lead to you not being able to see all the benefits that God, God is bringing. I need to stop and give thanks. One of the beautiful realities of the book of Romans is it is like a doctrine treasure trove of Christian doctrine. I mean, it is like, you know, if you got to pick one book, if you only get one book to use to understand Christian theology, I would say go there. Okay, the, the book of Romans. It's just, it is packed. But it also points to the story of God, especially in the opening chapter. You, you go to Romans chapter 1 and verse 21, and you'll read this about humanity. It says this, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Friends, regularly dismissing, thanking God, when you choose not to do that, if that is not a habit in your life to give thanks to God, the Bible says it can lead your mind into futility, it can lead your heart into foolish darkness. We need to give thanks to God regularly abundantly. One of the most famous studies on human longevity was a study that was done some years back, and it was a, it's called the NUN study, N-U-N. And they literally studied the lives of nuns. And one of the things that they discovered uh, uh, about nuns is that nuns who failed to regularly express gratitude you know, joy, just, they weren't grateful people. They didn't have positive emotions. They were twice as likely to die younger than the nuns who had 
gone through life expressing gratitude. So parents, you know, one of the things parents, you know, we need to do is we need to help our kids um, grow in gratitude. Maybe, maybe if everything else has failed, you could just try this and say, you better say thank you or you're going to die. No, don't do, don't do that. I'm kidding. Don't do that. But it's interesting. Uh, there's a lady uh, by the name of Margaret uh, Visser. She is known as the um, everyday anthropologist. She's written several things. One of the books she wrote was The Gift of Thanks, The Roots and Rituals of Gratitude. And in it, she notes um, a study that was being done, and the researchers uh, were studying parents, and they're trying to train their kids in gratitude. But they were also studying the parents, not just the training, but the parents. And so secretly, they were kind of running this test, and they would put those parents in kind of spontaneous situations where it would be appropriate to say thank you. And they discovered that 50% of the time, moms would say thank you. 18% of the time, dads would say thank you. Now, you can just go in there and, you know, do your own humor or, you know, lesson, whatever you want to take away. I'm not going to give you one on that. You can just figure that one, one out yourself. You do your own commentary. But, friends, here's the deal. Getting this right can impact generations to come. And their ability to experience long, healthy, happy lives God's plan for this. So, so how do we do this? How do we grow? How do we grow in gratitude? Some of you know that Paul's letter to the church at Philippi is kind of uh, known as the letter of joy. It's just one of the most joy-filled books uh, about being filled with joy in Jesus um, in, in the New Testament. It, just, it, it is. And in the book of Philippians, in chapter 4, verse 8, in this great book of joy, Paul gets to the end of all of his instruction to the church at, at Philippi. He gets to the very end, and he, he, he's closing out, and he says this, finally, brothers. Verse 8, chapter 4, finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Some translations say, think on these things. We need to stop and think when we encounter anything that fits one of those descriptions, any, any of those categories, we, we, when it comes into our lives, we need to stop and we need to think on it. We, we need to do that. And here's the deal on this. If you will think, you will give thanks. To think, to really stop and think about a benefit that is coming to your life is to thank. You, can, you won't be able to help yourself if you will stop to think. One of my favorite writers is a guy by the name of G.K. Chesterton. He, he, is, he was this, he was a really joy-filled dude. I mean, he really was, and his writings kind of reflect that. Um, G.K. Chesterton said this about gratitude. He said, gratitude is the moral memory of mankind. Everything that really about morality is kind of summed up in, in gratitude. It's what, it, it, it what, it's what keeps our, our moral memory in check. Friends, if we want to grow in gratitude, we got to train our, our brains to see the good that's come, and we got to be willing and ready to give thanks. we got to think to thank. And you're going to need help here, and I'm going to need help here. And so I pulled out a little tool um, this week 
that God had given me several years ago. I hadn't used it in a while. And I don't really remember the source of that tool, but it's, it's, it's a little tool that helps you see how God has blessed you from A to Z. And here's, here's how the tool rolls out. And you can, you can take a, a just simple notebook paper, you can get a journal, whatever. But basically, it's three columns and 26 rows. And the three columns across the top that you want to put are spiritual, relational, and physical. Spiritual, relational, and, and physical. And then the rows going down, A, B, C, D, E, F, all the way to Z. Okay? 26, 26 rows. You can build this yourself, and here's the deal. I am challenging you. I'm double dog daring you to do this between now and Thanksgiving. Okay? I'm challenging you. Take this challenge. Do, do, do this A to Z blessing. And so what you do is you start with the letter A, and you've got those, those three columns, those, those three kind of challenges, and, and, and you want to you grow in, in those. And so like for my A on the spiritual column, was, um, it was always faithful father. I, I was just, I'm thankful that our father's always faithful. And, and then A, relationally, I'm thankful for Andrew Housen. Andrew Housen is my son-in-law. I'm so grateful that God brought that man to my daughter. I, I love that guy. Um, for A for physical was, I mean, this was not rocket science. It was simple. It was air. God, thank you for the air I get to breathe. Thank you for that. Now, some of you are saying, well, A's are easy, Joe. What about Z? Well, here's my Z's. I'm, I'm giving, you can use these if you need to, but think of your own if you can. For Z, I'm grateful that I have zero sins being held against me because of Jesus. Zero is in my column of what I, God sees me because he sees Jesus before he sees me. In Z for relationship, I am grateful for Xander Schultz. Xander Schultz is a young man in our church who's an Eagle Scout. He's going to do his Eagle Scout project, and he wanted his Eagle Scout project to benefit River Bluff Church. I am grateful relationally for Xander Schultz. And then my Z for physical that I'm grateful for, do y'all know what a zipper kit is? A zipper kit? I didn't know what a zipper kit was. In, In our house, when a zipper quit functioning... Normally, the garment was disposed of somewhere. It got given away, you know, that kind of thing. But um, when we were in Colorado, we went out to Pikes Peak and visited Pikes Peak, and I got a Pikes Peak jacket, and I love my Pikes Peak jacket. How long ago was that? 15 years? 20 years, maybe? I've had this jacket, and I love my Pikes Peak jacket. The zipper broke. And, you know, in our house, that means the death of the jacket. But no. I went on, I Googled it, I researched it, and there's this thing incredible called a zipper kit. And I got a, a zipper kit, Kathy went to the store and got me a zipper kit, and I fixed my Pikes Peak jacket. Praise God for zipper kits. Friends, you can be thankful for all kinds of things, A to Z, three columns. Take the challenge, I double dog dare you, between now and Thanksgiving, and see if your heart will not grow greater in, in thankfulness. But God's word also points to two things that I want to show us. There's more, but just two kind of in closing this morning of, of what gratitude does in our lives so we want to grow in it. Here's the first one. 
I want you to think about how gratitude brings me into the presence of God. Think about how gratitude can bring you into the presence of God, especially if you're someone who does not often recognize the presence and activity of God going on in your life. It may be that you're thankful challenged. It may be that you don't have a lot of gratitude in your heart. Psalms 100 verses 1 through 5 says this, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Praise his name for the Lord is good. His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. You need to thank God. You need to praise God. You need to be grateful to God. Psalms 95 verses 1 and 2 says, Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving over and over and over again, especially in the book of Psalms. There is this connection to coming into the presence of God and having a thankful heart, having a grateful heart and praising God for it, for whatever those benefits are over and over again. If you want to tangibly experience more of the active presence of God in your life day by day, grow in gratitude. Increase the gratitude factor. Be grateful for the people that God has given you. When I do those things, I find I experience the presence of the Lord more powerfully. We can, you can, I can become more grateful people. As a church, we can become a more grateful. We have so much to be grateful for. So much to be grateful for. Then another thing that God's Word points out that we need to, to think on, and we need to think about how gratitude is deeply connected to grace. Gratitude is deeply connects us to grace. And here, at this point, repentance plays a huge role. Now, if you grew up in a church where repentance was like an unpleasant word, maybe it felt like a, a bad word, you, did, it was, you know, it was the last thing you wanted to do. You, we've been, as we've been walking through the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' teaching, we've been looking at repentance a little bit differently. See, to Jesus, especially in his teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, repentance is about rethinking our strategy for living. It's about, it's about changing the way we think. So that we can accept and step into and enter life in the kingdom of God. And that's what Jesus was teaching in that sermon's all about. Paul writes to the church at Corinth in his first letter, chapter 1, verse 4. We read these words. Paul says, I always give thanks to my God for you because of the grace he has given you through Christ Jesus. There's a connection that we got to make between being grateful and the grace that we find in Jesus. Paul makes this connection here, and it helps us tangibly experience the grace of God as we grow in our gratitude. Paul had to write him again later. His second letter, he had to bring this back up again. Look at chapter 4, verse 14 of 2 Corinthians. We know that God, who raised the Lord Jesus, will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. All of this is for your what? Benefit. So here's the benefit. It's for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving. More of grace requires more thanksgiving. The more grace you receive, the more grace you, you see, the more thankful you and I should be. 
Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, Ephesians chapter 1, says, let us praise God for his glorious grace. We need to give thanks. We need to pour out gratitude. It goes on to say, for the free gift he gave us in his dear son. For by the blood of Jesus, we are set free. That is, our sins are forgiven. How great is the grace of God. There's this connection to gratitude and experience the grace of God. And friends, Jesus himself gave us one of the greatest connectors to help us walk from grace into more gratitude. That grace would lead us to be more grateful. And that was through communion. Through experiencing the Lord's Supper. Through coming to his table. I want to read to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul's instruction to the church related to the Lord's table, the Lord's Supper, um, taking communion, and the connection that it makes in our hearts, in our minds, in our souls between grace and becoming grateful people. We read these words. Paul says, I received from the Lord what I also deliver to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread or drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And then Paul says, whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. So let a person examine himself then and eat of the bread and drink of the cup. This is the word of the Lord. Now we are going to, and I'm going to ask our, our worship team if they'll begin making their way down front. We're going to take a moment and we're going to share in communion together. But before we do that, we want to, we want to do what God's word compels us to do. We want to, we want to take a moment and examine our, our own hearts. I want to encourage you to do this so that you can grow in gratitude for the sacrifice that your Savior has made for you. Let the Holy Spirit examine your heart. Ask, ask the Spirit. And, and if the Spirit brings something to mind, maybe a place that you're not being grateful or thankful for, repent, confess it, and say, God, I want to I grow in gratitude here. Just let the Holy Spirit, if there's sin in your life and the Holy Spirit brings it to mind, confess it and agree with God. So we're going to enter this kind of time of reflection and worship, and then, and then we're going to take communion together. Let me pray for us. Father God, we come in these moments seeking you. We come, God, because we, we want to grow in gratitude, knowing that as we do that, we'll experience the power of your presence and we'll grow in grace and knowledge of you. And so help us now. Point out any evil way in us, something repetitive, a sin. Search us, O oh God. Examine us. And lead us now. As we worship you, 
as we give you, Holy Spirit, unhindered sway in our souls to speak the truth to us about ourselves. It's in your name we pray. Amen.
ask you if you would to get your elements for communion and just to make it easy on you if you're new to these little cups the easiest thing to do is just flick that tab down it'll help pop that cellophane up a little bit and if you would go ahead and remove the wafer off the top and take that Jesus on the night that he was betrayed the night before his crucifixion, he took the bread, the Bible tells us, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Take, eat all of it in remembrance of me. The Bible tells us that in the same way, he took that cup. And after supper, after giving thanks, he took this cup and said, this is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as you drink it in remembrance of me. Pray with me if you would. Lord God, we come in this moment. We come giving thanks for your sacrifice. We come giving thanks for all that you did and are doing 
and have done to benefit us. Jesus, we don't want to forget any of those. So I pray in this moment, as we have reflected on what you did on Calvary's cross for us, where you bled and died to pay the penalty for our sin so long we would no longer be under its power. Thank you, Jesus, that you set us free from that captivity. Thank you, Jesus, that we are free, free forever. We don't want to forget any of those benefits. So remind us, help us grow in gratitude. We have so much to be thankful for, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. And I pray now that you would receive, God, our worship. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Now that great sacrifice that the Lord paid for us should absolutely fill our hearts this Thanksgiving, bring you great joy. But the other thing that it should do for all of us is draw us into that mission of seeing the world know of his grace, know of his mercy. It should you know, stir all of us to want to see every man, woman, and child, not only where we live, work, and play, but all around the world have an opportunity to experience and know the majesty, the grace, the glory of our Lord. And one of the ways that we participate in making that happen is through Operation Christmas Child and these shoeboxes. And these are going to leave the premises in a short while and head to Deer Park Baptist Church and then be taken to Charlotte, North Carolina, and then they'll make their way all around the world. And before these boxes leave, we want to pray over them. We want, to, we want to commission them. And these boxes are very special to our own kids. So I'm going to ask the River Kid representatives that are here, if you guys and gals would come down. It looks like gals this time. Come on down. Anyone that's a part of River Kids, I'm going to ask you to find a box and just put your hand on it. Just lay your hand on it. They're bringing some more boxes. That's great. Just find a box and, and, and lay your hand on it. And um, they're, they're going to represent all of us. So I'm going to ask all of you to stand and just maybe kind of extend your hand out, if you would, as we pray a prayer of commissioning over these boxes. Let's, let's pray together. Lord God, in Jesus' name, we come, Lord, knowing that in these boxes are some simple items like toys and, God, maybe some school supplies. Uh, Lord, maybe some hygiene products. But each of these boxes is going to be a gift to a child to be a pathway to the gospel being presented. And so, Jesus, we know that you know what's in every box. We know that you know where every box is going to end up already. We know that you know the child who's going to cradle this box and, and celebrate that somebody loved them enough to send it. But, God, we send it in your name, Jesus, with the hope that that child would respond to your salvation, the gift of eternal life in you, that they would see their need for a Savior, and that they would long to be with you. And Father, I pray, because we've seen it happen before, that their parents' hearts would be open to hear the, the beautiful message of the gospel because, because some of your people made the decision 
to pack some boxes. So God, I pray that your grace would descend on these boxes as they leave this place and travel to parts of the world that we won't know about, maybe. We pray, God, that your kingdom would come and your will would be done in the lives of each recipient. And we thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, God, for blessing us with the privilege and the opportunity to participate in someone coming to know Jesus because we, we packed a box. Thank you that you're that good to us, that we get to be a part of the greatest work on the planet. We are so grateful, God. We have so much to be thankful for. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Our, yeah, amen. Praise God. Our River kids are going to head back, and um, I want to just wish you a happy Thanksgiving. God bless you. Go and grow in gratitude and a double dog dare you. Double dog dare you to take the A to Z challenge. God bless you. I hope to see you soon.